I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, March 18, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Let's cut right to the chase. We got a lot of lines on the screen. Let's address that right away. And then let's go clean up the chart. Let's discuss where we are. We're obviously in the middle of a crash. Where's the bottom? I'm looking for a low. Where the hell is the low already? Stay tuned. We're going to go through a lot of stuff today. You're going to get exactly where I'm coming from. We'll cover some off the beaten track material. We'll talk about the sideshow and then we'll talk about the main event. Believe it or not, the coronavirus is the sideshow. We're going to discuss the main event. Hard to believe, but you'll see where I'm coming from. Let's zero in on all the lines on the screen so we can get it all cleaned up. So, The way it works is when the market is falling and when it's nowhere near one of these particular price levels, we start discussing where the market might be going. So I begin putting lines or trend lines or support levels on the screen. Market either hits them, come up short, or cuts through them like a hot knife through butter. Either way, we know they're important numbers. And now here's what we have. We have a market that satisfied the 230.50, which was the last number on the board. Now, there's another number underneath. Obviously, if I have to go get it, I will. I know where it is. But for now, and I know this is getting to sound like a broken record. I'm going to address that in a moment. But since we're looking for a low, and I, I get it, where the hell is the low already? We've had some fits and starts. But here's the deal. And for those of you that have been around a while, you know where I'm coming from. We're generally pretty good at this. We're in the middle of a crash. The rules are, there ain't no rules. In the middle of a crash, the market is grease lightning. Case in point, let me explain something. The second line down, the $240, I'm not sure what you call that color, we're going to call it fuchsia. I could be wrong on that one, but that's what we're calling it. Look where the market closed today. 240 on the button that's the four o'clock close after hours trading a little bit above that but look where it closed on the button we had that number on the screen long before price even approached 240 so irregardless of the fact that the market stopped there one day had a tremendous rally the next day cut through it like a hot knife through butter today but yet stopped there again at the close do you think it's important of course it's important Here's a 15-minute chart. How about some of these other numbers? Everything on the right, let's say 25% of the screen, is today's activity. 245, we have a gap down. The market rallies to 245, give or take, sells off. So 245A was important, B was resistance. 240, hovered around it, back and forth, gave up the ghost, down to where? 235, didn't really spend much time there, but watch this. Go into 230.50, obviously spike through a little bit. And again, the swings are so wide and so fast that nothing's going to stop on a dime. There is no dime. But the market found stability, rallied back to what? 235 and a quarter, found resistance in and around there, gave it up, came up short of the 230.50, and then they had a short squeeze, 
into the close, and I like to use this word, the short squeeze into the close and to the price of 240 was prescribed. Now, we weren't sure they were going to have a short squeeze into the close, but they were going to move into the close. And this comes from Inside the Numbers. Here's a clip from Inside the Numbers. Here's the 302 post. SPY 230.50 held thus far. They rallied back to where? How about 235 and a quarter? Another number on the chart. We know about that. Get above that one. Where do you think they'll go? How about 240? And for most, we know this already. It's a spectator sport. Most traders use an opportunity like this to learn from what's going on in the market. Nobody has seen a market like this before, so everybody can learn. They're going to move them into the close. Which way? We really don't know. Up on a short squeeze, below the low of the day, they'll kill them till the last drop. So if they're not going to get below the low of the day, what do we have? We have a short squeeze on our hands. How did we know that? They're going to move them into the close. Moving on up a little bit into the end of the day, they were going to move them into the close. It was the short squeeze. Where did they go? SPY 240 and then some. They spiked it through a little bit as prescribed. And that's where the as prescribed comes from. Here's where the pre-market morning notes started out. I'm just going to scroll up real quick. You can start and stop the video at your leisure whenever and wherever you want to. You can read the notes. You can see. And for those traders that are active at all, during the trading day, you're doing yourself a disservice by not giving inside the numbers a fair shake. I'm not going to harp on anything here today. I'm just going to scroll up, let you read it as you will, and then we'll move on and we'll go back to the charts. You'll see here, right above the 10.05 post, hard to believe, still looking for a low. We're going to discuss that again when we go back to the SPY on the daily chart. There's something very, very interesting that's developing on the daily chart. Now, we are in the middle of a crash, but guess what? The crash will come to an end. We know the news flow is extremely, extremely bad. At maximum bad, they will turn the market. Can't measure maximum bad. We just know that it's really, really bad. Hard to imagine getting much worse. We talked about the government and the Fed throwing everything they have, every bazooka, every cannon in the tool shed at this thing until we see a turn. They will continue to do that. They will pay the American people. They will bail out companies that people don't want to be bailed out. The Fed has come up with new projects, new tools that were just invented overnight. They're going to continue throwing the kitchen sink at this thing until the market turns. Now, here's the interesting part. The market's going to turn, and the Fed or everybody else is going to think it was as a result of what the Fed did. And, of course, the Fed will take credit. But in reality, when and from where the market turns will be as a result of it was time at the right price. Let's quantify something for a second. Take a little detour. For those of you that have been around for a while, understand this. Those of you that have taken the course certainly understand this. When I say we're looking for a low, doesn't mean the low is today or tomorrow. Doesn't mean buy the market because I'm looking for a low. What it means is I'm looking for a low. When the market tells me it's a low, that's when we can start hopping on board and taking advantage of some of these stocks that have been B 
beaten to oblivion. Just like before, and we talked about this way back in December of 2018. You're going to get 15, 20, 25, 30, 40% rallies in a matter of days. You'll get a 1,000, 1,500-point rally in the S&P. It won't take that long. That's where the easy money is made. Can they kill this thing again? Can they continue to crash the market? Absolutely. We're looking for a low. I don't know where it is at this point. We're in uncharted waters. The best thing I can do is give you the numbers I have. What's the next number on the board? 226. What's below that? We'll call it 217 to 215. Eventually, the market will put in a low. It will become obvious and we'll have it. Now, let's talk about something else. For those traders that have taken the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader, take a look at this chart and you tell me, and for a moment, you have to assume that one of these prices, 230, 240, 235, one of these prices is important. Let's say it's from a larger time frame. So therefore, let's say these are predicated on a weekly or larger close. They bounce around intraday, they bounce around intra-week. If we see a Friday close above one of these specific numbers, it could be certainly more meaningful than the intra-week activity. But here's the thing. If you've taken the course, take a long, hard look at this chart, and you tell me if time isn't on our side right here, right now. So what do we have? Let's put it all together for a second. Let's start to stack up the stuff. The market's oversold. We know that. That's obvious. It was a crash. But we have no measurement for oversold. There's nothing that tells us when it gets oversold by X amount, that's it. It's over. We buy the market and it goes back up. If it was that easy, everybody would do it. You'd be able to get that indicator at Joe's Indicator Shop for $79.95 plus shipping and handling. However, the market's down a lot. How long has it been down for? About a month? Okay, that's interesting. Let's roll back the clock a second. Where are we? We're at July of 2019. So we come over here, and from the time the market peaked out here until it really finished going down and was ready to go back up, how long was it? About a month. Okay, fair enough. What about the next one? Market peaks out again, goes down for a while, until it really went back up. How long was it? About a month, give or take. All right, here's another one. This is from May 1st of 2019. From the time the market peaked out until the time the market bottomed out and was ready to go back up, how long was it? About a month. Okay. Now, this isn't an exact science. When you go back in time and you just say, well, when the market corrected before, forgetting the magnitude under normal garden variety market conditions, what's the average time the market goes from peak to trough. There's exceptions to the rule. Sometimes it goes down a lot quicker. Sometimes it goes down in a much more compressed period of time. And sometimes it takes a lot longer. But what I did was just show you the last few. Go back and do the exercise. Go back in time. See how many are about a month. You're going to find ones that are a lot longer. You're going to find shorter ones. But you're going to find a lot that are about a month. Common sense market analysis. You don't need an indicator for that. Sorry, Joe. So we're talking about finding a low, but there's always another side. We do play the umpire. We have to call balls and strikes. What's the flip side? The flip side is the rubber band is stretched again. It's going to break or we have to snap back 
If it breaks, there's another 100, 150 handles to the downside in the S&P 500. Another 10 or $15 in the SPY if you get another one of these big gap downs. Here's what I'll say. Whether or not we have another big gap down or we take off tomorrow to the upside, either way, what I'm standing by is we're in the zone from a time perspective. We're looking for a low. Maybe there's one more washout, but I'm thinking that by the time this week is out, this is quadruple witching options expiration week. The market's been down for about a month. It's been down more and quicker than ever before. We have true panic on our hands, which is part of the recipe we need for a bottom. As far as I'm concerned, if they go down a little bit more, it doesn't make any difference. We're going to get one hell of a rip-your-face-off rally coming to a brokerage account near you. You don't want to miss it. How many people out there, unassuming people, people that don't watch the market all the time, that don't pay attention, maybe they have a 401k, maybe they have an investment advisor, they're in the market, but they don't pay attention. Obviously, they're getting killed. They're not thinking buy, 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 at least the average person isn't. They're thinking, what the hell is this? Get me out of here. We're waiting for the last one to get out. We need some more mom and pops to throw up. We could use a couple of hedge funds slash bank failures. We need some failures. Maybe it's an energy company. It's something. Nobody's able to refinance debt. Oil's just north of zero. There has to be energy company failures. Bankruptcy lawyers are busy. Let's have a side discussion for a second about a bottom. Whether it comes in soon, whether it comes in tomorrow or Monday or Friday, whatever it is, how does a bottom develop Why does a bottom develop? What are the components of a bottom? We've talked about this before. I had another request to go over it again, so we'll cover it again. I think it's important. I think it's interesting information. And here's what it is. It starts with a short squeeze. A short squeeze is also known what I call panic buying. It's forced buying, just the same as forced selling. What's forced selling? Forced selling is going on right now. The margin department, for example, is forcing the sale of equities or whatever's in an account to raise capital to meet margin calls. That's happening to institutional traders. It's happening to retail traders. It's happening across the board. Either the customer has to sell or the margin clerk will sell for you. Either way, there's a sale on deck. On the flip side, the short squeeze or panic buying scenario is... A natural occurrence. For example, last night I mentioned the put-call ratio. Over the last few days, the put-call ratio has been at an extreme, which means there's a whole lot more puts bought in the market, and this is by, traditionally, the retail investor, the non-professional trader, the pajama jockey. What happens when they're wrong? They're always wrong. What happens when they get a pie in the face? They have to cover... The shorts, they have to unravel the position. They have to sell the puts. That's forced buying. Traders, investors, whoever that may be short stocks for the ride down, they're going to come to a price that they want to buy back in. They have to cover the position. There comes a time when you have to take profit. Think about it the other direction if you're having a tough time visualizing what has to happen on the short side. So you own a stock, you own Apple. Apple goes up and up and up, and at some point you say, I'm taking the money off the table, I'm booking the profit. 
Well, flip it around. You shorted Apple at $300 a share. It's 200. You want to cover the trade. You want to take your 100 and put it in your pocket. You have to buy back the stock. You borrowed it. You borrowed something you did not own to short the stock. Therefore, you have to buy back in. That's forced buying. You're covering the shorts. When the shorts start to cover and the market starts to stabilize and it starts to rally a little bit, other people that are short that didn't cover start to sniff out a bottom. They want to run for cover. More panic buying. As the market goes up, you have FOMO hit. FOMO means you and I feel like we're missing out. Fear of missing out. So we start to buy in. More panic buying. And you see how this buying begets buying. This is how the bottom materializes. Now, it's not that cut and dry. doesn't have to be a V bottom every time. You can have fits and starts along the way. Tests and retests of the low, short of the low, pierce of the low, rally away, come back, ABC pattern. All that stuff happens off the low. But that's how it happens. I also mentioned before about a sideshow and a main event. Make no mistake about it. This whole coronavirus thing, this pandemic, is terrible. Obviously, the entire economy has to take a hit any way you look at it. There's no way out. Towns are shutting down. Everything's shutting down. Restaurants are closed. You know the routine. I don't have to tell you what's going on. We all know what's going on. Therefore, people are going to be hurting. People don't know where their next paycheck is coming from, but they know that the next bill is going to show up. It's a horrific situation of no fault of anybody. That's why the government is stepping in. They understand that nobody can control what's going on and they can't leave everybody hanging out to dry. As bad as all that is, all directly related to the pandemic, the coronavirus. And as hard as it is to believe, I don't actually believe that's what's really driving the market down in the chunks of points and to the magnitude that it is. Enter Repo Man. Now, we started Repo Man a few months ago with a conspiracy theory. Then we had conspiracy theory 2.0, 3.0, whatever it was. I don't even know what we were up to, but enter Repo Man. This is a snapshot of the 10-year treasury note interest rate. This is the yield. Didn't we just look at this when it was like less than half a percent? Way down here at the low, when it put in one of those pseudo-doji candles that we pointed out, when they did it. Traders that heeded the information were also short TLT. How you doing? Shorted it right there. Got a little pie in the face one day, but we talked about it at the time. The option never moved. The writing was on the wall. How about the 30-year bond? Where were they under 1% just several days ago? All of a sudden, look where we are. That's a tremendous move. Now, isn't this in the face of the Fed flooding everything with money? Aren't they driving interest rates lower? How come everything always works the opposite? I can't tell you the volume of emails I got when the Fed started flooding the market, people emailing me about panicking on the TLT trade. It's going to be wrong. The Fed is driving down rates. This is stupid. Really? I've done this before. I'm not right 100% of the time. I'm not right 99% of the time. But I've been to a few rodeos. When you actually get the news that actually comes out, 
That's traditionally the end of whatever is moving to whatever price that it was moving to. Buy the rumor, sell the news. Haven't you ever heard that before? Of course you have. If you go back to a couple of the videos when interest rates were falling precipitously, I said, can they go to zero? Yeah, I suppose they could, but I'm not buying the story. So here's what's going on. We talked about it last night. The Fed's flooding the market because there's a problem out there with either a financial institution, liquidity, a credit crunch. There's something they're not telling us. I think the coronavirus thing and the issue with whatever is going on, the reason that the Fed had to do what they did, it's really like a perfect storm. Both are really, really bad, but I say Corona is the sideshow. The bond market is the main event. JNK, monthly chart. Just threw you a little short hop. Nice pick. What does this represent and why am I looking at it? It represents high yield debt. What's high yield debt? Well, let's take an energy company. Let's take a mid-tier energy company. Not necessarily talking about Exxon or Chevron right now, but we're talking about XYZ mid-tier driller. Whether they drill or don't drill, here's a good example. How about Apache? It's four and a half bucks. It was 50 bucks less than 18 months ago. Trending lower for a long, long time, since 2011. Let's say Apache has outstanding debt. I don't know that they do or they don't. I don't know much about Apache, but let's assume for a second they do. So before, they sold bonds into the market. Individual investors, mutual funds buy the bonds. That gives them the capital they need to run their business, do a project, whatever it is. They pay interest along the way. Their interest rate on companies like that are generally rather high. It's not the same that Exxon in history was able to borrow for. Apple, Microsoft, Exxon, these are AAA rated companies, historically speaking. They're able to borrow money really just slightly over the treasury cost. Lower grade companies that are either teetering on or in junk or high yield status, they fall into the category of junk and they fall into a fund like this. Fund managers manage high yield or junk bond funds. They buy the bonds for the high-yielding companies. Here's the point. Bonds come due. They don't always have the money to pay back the bondholders when the bonds come due. So let's say a bond was coming due in June, for argument's sake, any point in time. A, with oil prices at 22 bucks a barrel, they can't make any money, so where are they getting the money to pay back the bondholder? That's item number one. Well, if they don't have it, they can go back to the capital market and refinance the debt. They may have to pay slightly more, or if interest rates are less than they originally financed the debt for, they may pay less and it may make sense to refinance the debt. Fine. Can they refinance the debt today with oil prices where they are? They can't make money. Who's going to loan them money? Nobody. They're screwed. The bonds are telling the story. If you go into the bond market or into the individual companies and take a look at their bonds, you'll see what's been going on of late. They're getting less valuable. The price is declining. The price of the bond funds are declining. When people who see the price of their bond funds declining, just the same as stock funds, when they see that and they tell their investment advisor, hey, I thought this was supposed to be safe. For income, yeah, well, it is. It'll come back, he says. Meanwhile, you take the income. 
What the investment advisor doesn't know is about 30 days from that phone call, they're going to cut the dividend, just as they are across the board in many equities out there. Where's Mr. Investor going to get his income from? Good question. He'll be looking for a new financial advisor. We can go through the other charts, but they all look the same. Everything had a crash. Nothing was spared. The market is indiscriminate. We have to wait for the bottom, and then guess what? The good news is we'll have something to trade against. Whether it's in an individual stock, the SPY, the IWM, SSO, whatever it is, whatever you want to trade, whatever you want to own, we will have something to trade against. The transports were down about a thousand points today. Is that a washout? Maybe. We're close. We certainly have the panic. We're just looking for the spark. We're going to get it. You'll see. Q's made a new low today, had a nice finish. When you look at the weekly chart, never really came close to the December 2018 lows, didn't even hit the 200 period moving average. So on one hand, I would say, yeah, probably due for one more flush down to really satisfy all that stuff. On the other hand, you might say, the Q's are showing signs of strength against the other markets' relative strength. That's why they didn't get to some of the price levels the other markets got to. You can take either tact. We don't know one way or the other. I'm in the camp. I would love to see one more flush. Let everybody throw up, panic out of the market, let the Q's hit the 200 period moving average, let them do the rest of the clean out job, and then let's have a rip your face off rally. XLF, all the charts look the same. There's no magic here. We can simply move it along. Smash Mouth, only down about 8% today. Only 8%. These numbers are redonkulous. If you've taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, do you see anything interesting on this chart? There's a couple of things. Go back to the course, watch the whole thing, come back to the SMH, and tell me there's not something brewing here. Have I told you how much I appreciate you and that without you, these videos are not possible? All true and accurate information. It's everything I really wanted to and intended to discuss today, so I'm going to pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.